Welcome to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. In this podcast, financial planner Peter Raskin helps families and business owners understand and prepare for their wealth journey. Along the way, thoughtful and detailed planning can provide clarity and confidence as clients confront a multitude of financial decisions. Listen in as Peter shares stories and insight into people's wealth journeys. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Hello and welcome to Wealth is in the Details with Peter Raskin of Raskin Planning Group. Good morning, Peter. How are you? I'm great, Eric. How about yourself? I'm doing fantastic. We got to talk a little bit before we hit the record button today about our weekends and both of us experienced just beautiful weather, beautiful time with family. I don't think you can ask for much more than that. Yeah, no, we've been uh, we've been blessed with a wonderful, a wonderful fall. October has just been just beautiful and much warmer than usual, which is, I guess, good news and bad news. Um, but but it's been really pleasant. Well, and it's funny because your topic today is something that I was actually thinking about this weekend because my father is retired. Uh, he's been retired since he was fifty five. He retired early, and I, I I could I'm on a podcast and using air quotes, you know, retired. He's always done other things too. They opened up a, you know, a flower and garden center, um, you know, out of their home. Uh, you know, they had some property years back. So he's always done work. He's always worked. Uh, but this weekend, you know, they, they live on an acre and a quarter and he's out mowing and spending time doing the things that he likes to do. And he doesn't have to worry about his income because he, you know, he's got a couple different retirements coming in. And I was thinking about him. I was like, man, you know, that's a long time to retire. And I know that the we've talked about life expectancy, you know, being, um, you know, much greater than it used to be. And especially if you want to retire early, that's a long time, you know, to to be taken care of like that and, and setting yourself up. So today you're talking about protected retirement income and. I know my dad has, you know, protected retirement income in a way or in multiple ways. And so I'm, I'm just kind of thinking, isn't that what everybody wants or isn't that what everybody should have? Yeah, I agree. You know, it's, as we approach retirement, we enter this brave new world where, where we aren't relying on our earned income and we're, we're just going to be solely relying on, on our assets, our pensions, mm -hmm. our social security uh, to, to provide us the cash we need to, to, to meet those needs and wants. Um, and I think it's 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 exciting and and but emotionally it can be an anxious time as you're approaching that that point when you're mm -hmm. you're actually going to do it, you know. You, most of us have have never retired before. You know, we 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 just don't want to make any mistakes, and there are obstacles. And, and I I think I, when talking about retirement planning and and that transition from working to actual retirement, I think about. The difference between ascending versus descending that mountain. You know, I, I like to I like to hike and mm -hmm. um, I like to go up and down mountains. But 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 climbing down a mountain is actually a lot more treasure treacherous than than ascending. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I, th I, th I I've heard this story and I've actually said it on the podcast before that you know if you you think about uh, ascending mount everest how dangerous that can be but but coming down after you've spent a couple days traveling and 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 now you're in the, at the highest point on on the on the planet earth and you're tired and climbing is really much more treacherous because of the time of day and all that and um so i was reminded of of of, of a couple of years ago when i was in scottsdale 
um, at a conference and I went out for an early morning hike. It was an easy hike. It was not Mount Everest, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I'm out for a couple hours and, and I was a, a slight grade up and then a slight grade down. And it was on the down. I was a little bit tired and I fell. And um, you don't need to fall for very mm. long to get hurt. And uh, so I broke my elbow. I oh my broke it, cracked a tooth. I got stitches in my lip. It is one of those, you know, stories that I always remember to be, and I need to be more careful on the descent. <laughs> so, mm, yeah. and that to me is like what happens when reti- when you retire. You have you've you've done all this good planning. You you've you've been accumulating in savings, and then all of a sudden you're there, and and that's when we also need to be careful. Yeah, well, I, I remember us talking about it before, um, and statistically, more people have died coming down Mount Everest than going up. Ugh, that's crazy. So, Peter, what are some of the risks a retiree should be concerned about? Let's talk about that. Yeah. So, so my my opinion here's kind of that danger point where where you have to you have to be concerned. There there are to me three really important risks that that every retiree needs to consider, and uh, the three are, and I again, I've talked about this before. Inflation, longevity, meaning living living a long time, and then the final one is uh, this gets a little bit technical, but uh, what we call sequence of return risk, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about each of those um, in the next few minutes. So, I- inflation risk, it, you know, inflation is to me like a slow leak from a balloon. You know, over time your dollar will just have less purchasing power. So as, as we age through retirement, the dollar that we're getting in the first year of retirement can, will purchase a lot more than the, than the dollar in the 20th year or the 30th year. And some of those costs that we might incur in retirement tend to increase faster than, than other costs. So I'm thinking of healthcare. Um, those have, have actually gone up almost twice as much as other expenses. And, and, and in some years, you know, those expenses can be quite high. So, so because of inflation, which is not a necessarily a bad thing, modest inflation is actually good for the economy. It means it's growing. Um, but because of inflation, it forces investors to invest in assets that, that are likely to provide returns that are, are, are in excess of inflation. And here I'm specifically thinking of, of assets like stocks and real estate bonds, which are, are another kind of investment um, in, in, opportunity. They rarely or barely keep up with inflation. So, um, and, and then those no or very low risk and in liquid investments like, like bank accounts, savings accounts, money markets, CDs, short-term U.S. treasuries, those things that a lot of retirees love because they're safe, well, those yields um, really don't keep up with inflation. Matter of fact, they're pretty significantly below. So, so inflation is, over time, a, a slow leak. It reduces our purchasing power and is a problem. Uh, the second risk, which is, to me, also just so important, is longevity risk. And what I mean by that is, are, are we planning for 10, 20, or 30 years of retirement? Your, your dad, for example, retired really young at 55. Is it, is, was it about 55? Yeah. So, so 
you know, that's a, that could be um, almost a, a 35 or four, even a 40 year retirement. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a long time not, not to have earned income. And I, and I think um, it's important just to think about the statistics. So if you're a, 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 a female age 65, uh, there's a 34% chance of living to age 90 and a 14% chance of living to age 95. That's, that's a, mm. those are pretty good odds. Yeah. If you're 65, if you're a 65 year old male, there's a 23% chance of living to age 90 and a 7% chance of living to age 90, 95. Um, but here, here are the, I think even more important for, for many of our clients who are, are, are married um, is for a 65 year old couple, there's a 49% chance that at least one of them will live to age 90 and a 20% chance that at least one of them will live to age 95. So those are pretty good odds that, that someone in a couple is going to live to, to at least age 90. Mm -hmm. and, and this is data. This is current data. This is from the 2017 a period life table from, from the Social Security Administration. So if you're of average health and, and retire in your mid-60s, I think you should plan for at least a 35-year retirement. And that doesn't mean it will happen, uh, but, but, but good luck, good genes, good health, it may actually take place. So I just wanted to, I, th I think longevity is a, is a risk in the sense that you got to plan for a long period of time. That means you have, have to have significant income for a long period of time. Um, and I just want to make a couple of quick comments um, on life expectancy and family history because I, I get this this pushback a lot. Oh my, you know, um, I, I had a parent who, or my both my parents were deceased by age eighty or seventy five or whatever it is. And and I, I want, just want to say that it's 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 not a great predictor of personal longevity. It may it may work for. Um, if we're looking at at, the, at thousands of people, but but your own individual situation is not necessarily um, you're not going to necessarily repeat what your parents did. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, technology, medical science, every year it advances. Every month, I mean, really, it advances, and so yeah, I, I can't imagine a thirty year gap, which I or twenty or thirty year gap between your parents' death and your death. The, the technology and, and medical science hasn't improved so much that you're going to last at least a few more years. Yeah. And, and on top of that, uh, I, I think we have to consider that, that many of our clients who are affluent um, tend to have access to fantastic healthcare, and, and that makes it, that can make a difference as well. So, so it, it just one other point, we, we haven't really talked about the quality of life into our 80s and 90s. We've just talked about longevity. And so, you know, there are chronic illnesses, which include dementia, dementia and Alzheimer's, which in today's world aren't on, uncommon. I'm seeing a, a greater and greater prevalence of those, those issues. And so if we're living longer, we may, we may just need more assistance or custodial care in those in those later years, which dramatically increases our expenses. So we've talked about inflation risk. Now we've talked about longevity risk. And then the final one, which is a little complicated, but I think it's really important to consider is this, in our jargon and financial planning jargon, we call it sequence of returns risk. And, and think about this, is, 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 that, is that basically when we're investing in order to, to, to generate returns in excess of inflation, 
we have to take on a little bit more risk. We have to be invested in assets that go up and down in value. Um, and so because of that, um, and because we're planning for a long period of time, we have to assume that that our, our, our stocks and bonds and real estate, um, are the returns are not always going to be consistent. It's just, that's the nature of investing. We'll have days, months, years when, when our rates of return are, are, are in excess of what we need. And we'll have other days and months and years where, when they're far below what we need. And the, the, the nature of, of long-term, it, it's, this is just the nature of long-term investing. So, so volatility is what we need to expect. And we need to take that into consideration as we're, we're investing our assets in order to beat inflation and then pay the taxes that are due on, the, uh, on that appreciation. So I think it's easy to think about um, retirement planning when assets are always increasing in value, especially if we aren't taking, taking income. But, but, but we know that just doesn't work that way, especially if we want to invest in stocks and bonds that, that are, are going to move up and down. So, so most of our listeners have heard of the 4% rule of thumb. And Eric, I, I, just, I, I assume you've heard of it. And, and what does that mean to you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think yeah, it's it's funny you say the rule of thumb, and there's so many rules of thumb. And but I've heard this one for a long time. You should be able to, and this is this is you know quote unquote, you should be able to withdraw four percent from your your investments, your portfolio, and it'll most likely meet all the income needs I need over my entire retirement lifetime. Yeah, that's that's what when I talk about the four percent rule, that's what I'm I'm talking about. It, it, it seems like a reasonable statement. Except it doesn't always work. <laughs> um, and if, we're, if, we're, if we aren't taking any money out of our portfolio, we can deal with lots of volatility. Um, that's the accumulation stage of life. But once we start taking income, uh, volatility becomes a real concern. And I think I, I, I wanted to give a, 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 an example of that because I think it's really so important. So the example is we got a million dollar portfolio, whether it's 100,000 or 500,000 or a million, it doesn't really matter. It's the concept that, that I'm, tr I'm trying to get, get across here. So a million dollar portfolio and the client wants to take 4% or $40,000 per year from the portfolio. And let's assume that, that $40,000 um, stays st steady for forever. Um, that would be great for, for, for this retiree. But what happens if during that first and second years of retirement, the portfolio goes down 4% in year one and, and, and then 4% in year two? And remember, for investing in stocks and bonds, that can happen. So the assumption here in this example is year, year one and two stocks, go your, your portfolio goes down by 4%. And then in years three and four, your portfolio goes up 8% per year. So I think those are not unreasonable uh, assumptions. Year one, we start with a million dollars. We subtract $40,000 at the beginning of the year because that's what you need for cash. Uh, and then you're left with nine, $960,000. Portfolio goes down 4%. And now the client has $921,000 approximately at the end of year one. Now we're at the beginning of year two, the client withdraws another 40,000 and the portfolio is down to 881,000. In that second year, the portfolio is down 4% and the client now has uh, a portfolio worth $846,000 at the end of year two. So gone from a million, spend, they've spent 80 and now the portfolio is worth 846. 
So now we're at the beginning of year three in the portfolios. Um, we've taken out our 40,000 for the third year. Now we're down to 806, 806,000. So we're, we're basically $200,000 down from where we started. And in order for the portfolio to return to that, that million dollars, that million dollars, uh, the portfolio is going to have to generate a return of 24%. That's, that's hard. That's hard for that to happen in one given year. So in my example, I'm going to say, well, the portfolio is, this year is going to be positive. It's going up 8%. Most people would be somewhat satisfied with an 8% return. Uh, at the end of year three, the portfolio is only worth 870000 almost 871. Now we're at the beginning of year four. The client withdraws forty thousand. They've left with they're now left with eight eight hundred thirty one thousand, and the portfolio increases another eight percent, ending year four with eight hundred ninety seven thousand. So we're getting we're getting close, but we're not quite there yet. Um, and this is the last year in our example. Year five, forty thousand is withdrawn, leaving eight fifty seven. Uh, the markets are terrible in that fifth year. Markets are down 10%. So now the portfolio is now 771,000. And in order to get back to a million, we need 30% return. But we're still withdrawing 40. And so now we're back, we're down to about 730,000. And in order to get back to a million, we need a 37% rate of return in that year. And, and Eric, that's just really hard to, uh, to generate in any given year. Uh, it may take a bunch of years, but remember, you're withdrawing $40,000 a year. So it, it, this portfolio could actually drop and continue to drop significantly. And that's what I mean by the, this uh, sequence of return risk. If we are seeing returns that are, are, are fairly low at the beginning of our investment portfolio, at the beginning of our, I should say, our retirement, then that can be devastating for, for our future assets and our future income. So I, I see this obviously as a huge problem. And one of the things that I, I noticed during your example is that you really didn't even include the very first risk you talked about, which was inflation. So for five years in a row, somebody's withdrawing $40,000 prices go up each year usually, right? That's the inflation that you're talking about. And so you may not be able to just live on that 40,000 that you're pulling out every year. Uh, it just, so it makes it even worse. Uh, but I, I know that when you have to start taking money from your portfolio, there have been huge declines that I've lived through, you lived through back in 2000, 2001, I remember, and, and uh, you know, 08 and 09, 2007 uh, through 2009 was terrible. Um, and if my memory serves me, I know that even people that quote unquote had balanced portfolios of stocks and bonds and things, they were down 25 and 30%, not just 4% or 10% or like you were talking about. So, I mean, it you were mild in your example compared to what the markets could actually be. And that's, that's pretty tough. So those are really, really serious risks for all retirees. So can you talk about some solutions? Because <laughs> we need them. <laughs> <laughs> we need them. Exactly. Yeah. It's sequence of return risk is, is a real problem. And I think that's why we, we can't necessarily invest a hundred percent of our money in risky assets. That's why we have to, to, to uh, diversify, have some safer or, or safer assets like cash and, and bonds, which just are far less volatile. The, there are solutions and, and, and every solution, every situation is so different. 
Um, and, and and we may not be able to just have one way to solve the problem. It's and it's usually a blend of strategies that that puts retirees in a, in a better circumstance. Um, and, and this is also important. We we can't necessarily avoid all of the risks that we talk about or meet all of our goals. You know, not everyone is going to be able to do everything as as they want. They're going to have to make some. Um, some compromises. I, I hate to say it, but that's that's often life. In some ways, what we want to do is reduce risk. We may not be able to get to the perfect plan, meaning you know, no inflation risk, no longevity risk, no sequence of return risk. But our plan can be good or good enough, and, and that's where we're hoping most retirees can can end up. And I think I've heard that before, but perfect is the enemy of good. Is that what you, uh, <laughs> have you heard that before? I have heard that. And that's what I was thinking. Um, yeah, I think, there, I think there's some element of truth, it, it, element of truth to that. Um, but let me, let's talk about other solutions. Um, I think the first one I think is so, is also really key is, is you want to maintain flexibility, maintain flexibility in retirement. You know, we all have discretionary expenses and non-discretionary expenses. To me, a, a non-discretionary expense is paying taxes on our on our property. Um, it's it's buying food. It, it, it's uh, paying for utilities. But we also have discretionary expenses that might be vacations and cars and second homes and things. And, and if we have the ability to reduce our expenses when markets don't cooperate. We'll have a much better chance of our of our portfolio recovering, and in our example, I won't go through I won't go through this again. But but instead of withdrawing forty thousand dollars from the portfolio in year two, or maybe year three, we're able to reduce our withdrawals to twenty thousand, uh, and and wait for the portfolio to recover before returning to our forty thousand dollar withdrawal. Our chances of recovering from from the downturns that we'll, we will see in the market really increase significantly. So I think it's a, important to have that flexibility. Yeah, and I like the way you put that because expense flexibility sounds great. I mean, it really does. And I, paying off the mortgage prior to retirement, obviously that helps because you've got that major bill out of the way. Uh, but there's always going to be something unexpected, right? That house that you paid off, you're going to need a roof, right? Cars, they're going to, you know, they're going to deteriorate. We can't keep them all new all the time. And helping kids uh, in in my life, grandkids, you know that that my wife has gone nuts with that. Weddings, you know, you've got you you want to be able to have fun in retirement, so big trips. Um, other than reducing expenses, which you can do in certain ways, what other recommendations do you have? People don't love to hear that they're going to have to reduce their expenses. <laughs> so, yeah, I bet. But I think just having the flexibility to do so is, is really important. Um, so to, to me, another solution is diversifying income sources. And so I think that, that you know, we talk about as an investment advisors, we talk about uh, diversification all the time. And I think diversifying sources of income is also really important. So there are basically two types of income sources that that I think are available. Uh, number one, the number one source we'll call fluctuating income. And those are sources of income that, that can change depending upon interest rates, inflation, the economy, the stock market. Uh, it's inflation. It, I mean, it's income that you can you can expect it, it. It should be recurring, but it may fluctuate in value. It may go up and down depending upon what's happening. 
With these kinds of income sources that are fluctuating, the heirs of our, our retirees will likely inherit whatever isn't spent. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's when I think about fluctuating income, I'm thinking about income that can go, go up and down a little bit, maybe within a range, but also that whatever is not spent is going to be uh, left for the, for, the, for the kids and grandkids. Uh, the second source of retirement income is what I'll call protected income. And it's consistent. It doesn't, doesn't necessarily go up. Um, dramatically, it may not even keep up with inflation all the time, uh, but but parts of it can. The retiree can't outlive it, and that's vital. And, and and on the downside of protected income, there may not be anything left for heirs uh, when the retiree dies. I'd like to explore those items a little bit. Um, so let me first talk more specifically about what what makes fluctuating income. And here, you know, the first one that we all think about are cash and, and, and cash equivalents like CDs, you know, this money's in the bank. Right now, there's very little inc- income from those <laughs> accounts, not even 1% in today's uh, interest rate environment, uh, but it's liquid, it's safe. Um, whatever's left can be passed on to, to the heirs. Um, and uh, on the unfortunate side, if that asset is spent down, um, you, you, the retiree could outlive that asset. So it could be all be spent. Bonds are the, are the second um, investment alternative that, that provide fluctuating income in the sense that their interest, interest is credited each year. Now, you can buy a bond for, with, with a certain maturity, but when that bond matures, you'll have to buy a new bond uh, with a new interest rate. So as, as interest rates go up and down, your bond interest will fluctuate. Sometimes it'll be higher, sometimes it'll be lower. Um, it's very safe, especially if you're buying quality companies, you're buying bonds from government entities, uh, so that I would call these low or no or low risk investments. And the income is fairly predictable, but it is fluctuating. Um, whatever's left, you pass on to heirs, but it's an asset that you could outlive because you might spend, you might spend that asset. Um, now we're moving into a little bit more risky investments, stocks. In general, stocks pay, uh, many stocks pay dividends. And if it's a quality company, those dividends are pretty, uh, are, 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 are pretty stable. They're not guaranteed. They go, can go up and down, but good companies typically pay, pay dividends each and every year. The, there's also capital appreciation from stocks. They, go, they increase in value but we don't know when they're going to increase in value. They also can go down in value. So capital appreciation is one of those fleeting things. It's, I don't really consider it income, but in general, if you've got a basket of stocks, you've diversified, some of your stocks will go up, some will go down, uh, but in general, you may have some capital appreciation um, in many years, and you can count on that. That's a part of, of your total return, but it's completely unpredictable. Whatever's left, of your stocks, you can pass on to heirs, and unfortunately, you could outlive that asset if you need it, need need to spend it. Another asset is investment real estate, and I think that's, in, in a sense, um, it, 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 it's an inflation hedge. In, uh, real estate tends to keep up with inflation from an income perspective, so this would be investment in, in uh, two-family homes, commercial property. Uh, there's lots of opportunities for real estate, and, pe- and people uh, across the country have gotten very done very well with real estate over time. 
Um, it is a liquid. It, it can be passed on to heirs, um, but if need be, it can be sold and it may be an asset that, um, that a retiree outlives. Um, one, one other source, uh, one other source of asset uh, uh, that that really is an income, but it's available to many of us. It's, it's the equity from our primary residence. So you know there is are ways for retirees to tap into their equity. Um, one 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 way is called a a reverse mortgage or a home equity conversion mortgage, and it gives it gives someone access to primary residence equity, and I think that's. That's important, an important consideration. It's certainly not for everyone. Uh, it's it's an expensive way to access that asset, um, but it is a source of liquidity. So I, I wanted to mention that as as something that that is part of your retirement plan. Finally, we've 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 talked about the fluctuating income sources. Now let's talk about protected income, and my favorite is Social Security. <laughs> uh, Social Security is a great source of of ongoing income. There's no risk. It's guaranteed. Um, it's inflation protected under current law. It increases with the consumer price index. Um, and so it, it's likely to keep on increasing. Uh, it does end at death, but it's for a lifetime. It can never go down in value. Uh, so it's a great source. Another protected income source are pensions. Lo- very low risk. I wouldn't call it no risk because corporations can um, go out of business, but there are are guarantees at the state level um, and the federal level that can provide um, s- some some minimal uh, payment in the event that that the, this corporation goes out of business. Um, so it's low risk. It's predictable. There is no inflation hedge in the vast majority of pensions that I've looked at. Unfortunately, there aren't that many pensions today, <laughs> unless you're a a, a, a government um, employee, employee. Very unlikely that you're going to be qualified for a pension. We still have clients that are have have been part of pensions for for many years, large corporations, but but most employees today aren't eligible. Again, pensions like Social Security they end at death, uh, and they're a source of income that you most likely will not outlive. Um, the last source of protected income is something that 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 you can you can you can buy you can buy a source of income and that would be through um, what I would call income annuity. These are are low risk in the sense you're buying um, uh, a, a, an income stream from a, a reputable insurance company. Hopefully, um, it's predictable. There's usually not any inflation protection or very little uh, to annuities, but they do provide a source of ongoing lifetime income. Uh, they do end at death. Um, sometimes there's a survivor benefit to a, a spouse or to even children, but that reduces the, uh, the ongoing income um, uh, that the retiree receives. So those three sources, social security pensions and annuities are what, what I call protected income sources. I like the sound of those a lot, you know, and I know that you just said <laughs> yes. you can buy annuities. Can I get more protected income sources? Are there are there others besides that that I can I can just get? I, I don't consider, um, uh, you know, Social Security and pensions are something that you you basically they're formulaic and they're based upon your years of work and your income and your age when you retire, and that determines how much you'll get. And and, and so if you defer taking. Uh, those income sources, Social Security and pensions, it's likely to increase your 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 income that you'll receive, especially Social Security. Um, so you can't really get any more of that, but you can 
you can um, get additional annuity income. And I think that's a, a consideration. You brought Social Security up. So now I got to ask because we see it all the time, especially with all the trillions of dollars that are currently being spent by the government and, and more on the books to be spent. Do you think Social Security is going to actually be around? You know, is it, is it going to be around to pay those that are, you know, 50 years old now, or 40 years old now, or 30 years old now? I know that's a big concern. So Social Security and our pensions will, will, will probably, I think, replace a certain amount of our income, but, but maybe not as much as we might like. And that's where these income annuities um, uh, come into, into part of our planning conversation. Uh, so let's give a, a brief background on them. Uh, annuities are, are basically insurance company contracts that, that, that pay a, a certain amount of income for a certain period of time. The amount of income is, is based on the, the owner's age and the amount of the initial deposit to the annuity. It, it, this, this, this income stream could be for a term certain, like, like 10 years or, or for lifetime. Uh, I you typically recommend a lifetime income annuity because, again, the, owner, the, the annuity owner can't outlive that, that income stream. It may provide a survivor benefit, but, but it might not. If the owner, if the annuity owner wants that benefit, then the the owner will probably receive a little bit less income during the the annuity income period. And, and here's the the real important advantage of these income annuities: the income payments are fairly high, especially typically higher than than interest payments from bonds and cash accounts. And th that annuity income is typically higher than most stocks uh, paying dividends. Um, and you don't have the risk of owning stocks. So if you live a long, a long time, you know, past life expectancy, you may receive more than what you invested initially. And it, it could be a lot long, a lot more, depending upon how long you live. So if you don't make it beyond life expectancy, maybe the insurance company will pay out pay, paid out less than what you deposited. So my sounds like my biggest risk is that I don't live long enough to leave something for my heirs. Yeah, that's how I look at it. So annuities are designed to protect you from, from living too long. Uh, and since this income source is, is typically larger than the income you'll receive from other sources, maybe it's w worth the risk of dying before life expectancy. Yeah. It sounds like anything else in planning, you know, there's a trade-off, right? There's it's, you, you've got competing objectives in this case, it's the potential for high income that you cannot live. I, I think that's, that's how I look at it. Um, one more advantage of the protected uh, income of annuities, be because the income is relatively high, again, at least compared to other fixed income options in today's world, it takes some pressure off of your other assets to produce current income, which, which helps the investor deal a bit better with the volatility of stocks and bonds. And I, and I think that's really important. It basically um, becomes a very conservative part of your portfolio. And it, I mean, it, it really is, it does at least sound like and seem that annuities are an interesting source of protected income. Um, how do I know if they're appropriate for me and in my specific situation? Yeah, this is, this is an important question. And, and uh, we've been talking about financial planning for a long time, so this is not going to surprise you, Eric, but, 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 but I recommend looking at protected income and annuities as part of a comprehensive financial plan. It, it, it's, it's a, uh, it's a, it's, it's important. Uh, maybe you need it. Maybe you, you want additional protected income. Maybe you don't. And then once you determine your objectives, you can, you can make a decision. For me, protected income is just 
you know, one of many considerations you'll need to make as you go through this, this retirement and financial planning process. You know, there are many flavors of annuities. There's so many that clients can choose from. It, it's really, it's important to go through that process. Uh, annuities are, won't likely be the only solution uh, to battling these 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 three risks that we talked about: uh, inflation and longevity, and and sequence of returns. But but it could be a, another arrow in your quiver, <laughs> you know, just another tool. Yeah, and and I knew what you were going to say, and when I asked the question, really, I I know that it's got to be a conversation that somebody has with you because each person is different, each situation is different, each time horizon is different. So, I mean, it really is something that you need to have a one-on-one. And with that in mind, how do people reach out and get a hold of you so that they can have this discussion with you to find out if this is something that works for them? Yeah, certainly. Call 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 me directly um, at at six one seven seven two eight seven four three three. Or if you go to our our, our website uh, raskinplanning.com, there's uh, you can get the contact information and happy to happy to chat. Um, you know, the, the, it's this diversification of income sources that that is so important for for planning. Um, we we just don't know what the future will will actually bear. We we can map out a strategy, uh, but but as long as we have flexibility. Lots of different sources of income. Um, we moderate or, or 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 take charge of our our expenses and our budget. Most of us are going to be okay. That's a, that's our goal anyway. Well, Peter, again, a very robust podcast. A lot of great information. Thank you so much for spending the time with me today. Thank you, Eric. It's been my pleasure. And our last thank you always goes to you, listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast with Peter Raskin. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Peter comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Raskin, <coughs> Doug on it. Sorry to team. For everyone at Raskin Planning Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Peter Raskin is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors, securities offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker, dealer, member SIPC, investment advisory services offered through Sagemark Consulting, a division of Lincoln Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other fine companies. Raskin Planning Group is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances. 